award-winning golf podcast. The one that doesn't suck. It's Humble and Tim's Swing Thoughts. There's Tim O'Connor. He's the mental performance coach and uh, head whistler at the Glen Abbey Academy. You're a very musical fellow, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I like I love music. I love music. I was a bass player back in uh, high school. Long hair, everything. I bet. I did. You did. The ladies love that stuff, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, really, that's why any guy who ever started in any band, I, you, I don't care what they say, oh, I love music. Yeah, you did it because you wanted to get checks. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, but I, what, I was a bass player. I mean, I was like, you know, it was this guy in the background. Although, I did want to jump around at the front, but you'd always get this look from the singer. From the lead singer, I know. Like, exactly. what are you doing? Well, you know, I guess you could... Is, is it possible, Coach Tim, that you could put... Uh, if you really thought about it, you can actually categorize almost most hum- almost all human beings into bass players, drummers, keyboards, or lead singers or lead guitarists. Yeah. Well, maybe uh, if they took a group picture of us, would it be like... Would you be like in the foreground and I'd be a little bit behind <laughs> like they do? In, possibly. In those, those band pictures? I always wondered like what it's like for the first time the band goes through that. Okay, you're the drummer, you're the best. <laughs> that's, that's right. Um, although that's funny with some bands like the White Stripes and, and others where they sort of feature the drummer up front. For some reason, it sort of disconnects or there's a discord in what we think should be. <laughs> but then who decided arbitrarily the drummer's in the back? I don't know. Maybe phonically it works. Uh, this is Swing Thoughts. We mostly talk about golf, but we're liable to talk about anything. That's right. Tim O'Connor at O'ConnorGolf.ca. And, of course, you can get uh, Coach Tim on your golf side uh, just by getting hold of him at, uh, I guess, the website. O'ConnorGolf.ca. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, you can check out the Humble and Fred Show. Uh, now in its uh, 30th year of entertaining tens and tens of people across the street. And truly, from... truly award-winning. Oh, yes. Truly, yeah. truly. Uh, this episode is going to be interesting. We're going to be talking a little bit about, uh, I've got some golf uh, news, perhaps, and then we'll get into a, a, a blog that Timmy wrote. Um, just quickly in the news, you sent me something I thought was interesting that our sponsors, our friends at TaylorMade, are... Uh, it's interesting that uh, how golf manufacturing ebbs and flows. You know, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, Taylor made the number one, by far the best driver there is. You know, riding high, and then you know this this company's down, and this company comes up. And in that blog, in that news, you're saying that they're uh, they're may they're going to try and sell the TaylorMade part, maybe just have to give it away. Yeah, very weird uh, to uh, to read that, but but I can't remember what the numbers were, but uh, big losses. Um, so Adidas, uh, I don't even know who the parent company is. I think it's a ski company. Um, you know, wow, it doesn't look good. the golf industry is in a is in a state of contraction or at least consolidating. Um, best case scenario would be flat, although. Clublink released its, uh, I think, Q4 um, uh, financials showed that uh, in almost all categories, their rounds were up, like, but marginally. And I think that that's what's happening in the golf business. Well, for Clublink, if I may interrupt, for Clublink to be even or you know not contracting when the rest of the industry is is a huge win for them. Yep. And uh, they're also another sponsor of this uh, podcast, Clublink. There's never been a better time to golf. Uh, I don't even think Club Link knows they're a sponsor of the Swing Thoughts podcast. I should probably let them know. Have you let them know? 
Not officially. Not officially either. <laughs> you know what it is? And the guy that we uh, have been working with at Glen Karen is now at? Craig Capito is now at Rattlesnake. Right. What? Good for Craig. I know. He's a great guy. Working his way up the Club Link food chain there. He's one of the best. Absolutely he is. Uh, I was away in Palm Springs and, and he took And that's why it. he's at Rattlesnake Point now. And I know the guys at Glen Karen are going to miss him. I was at uh, in the Palm Springs trip hosting it for Club Link, and he was one of the pros there with his team. And, you know, he's just a good guy. Oh, yeah. he's um, That's something you can't teach. Good guy. Uh, really? You yeah. got it. I don't have it. Yeah, he's well, got it. Isn't that the highest standard that we can attain as men in this world? He's a good guy. I don't know if it is the highest standard, because if it is, I'm not getting there. <laughs> but Craig's I'm working a, on it. He's a good leader. Yeah, but you're a good guy, too. I know someone who worked for him, and he just said that... Uh, the things that Craig asked him and stuff were not the normal things. It was like, you know, things that would really draw you in as someone who wanted to work there and be really invested. Yeah, he's definitely got the uh, – he's he's figured out an, an alternate way to be in a business where a lot of people are you – know, they sort of follow this one model. And good for Craig. And the guy apparently taking over at Glen Karen, which is one of the uh, premier clor- courses at Clublink, is... Um, is that Mike Gerson? Yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah, I, I've known Mike for, you know, just as a guy who I've met through Clublink. Really good guy. Another think- good guy. <laughs> Again, highest standards, right? Gold. He's a good guy. Wow. Uh, he was at Rocky Crest for a while. Um, I think he was even at Blue Springs for a short period of time, but... Um, and do you know where he was recently? Because I think I might have met him on this Palm Springs. Is he a sort of a shorter guy? I don't know. Maybe I didn't read him. He's a, he's big, a big guy. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. I think he was at Caledon Woods, perhaps. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Um, if well, you know Club Link people, let us know, please. Here's a, well, I don't think any. By the time we publish this, I'm sure we'll figure out who he is. But here's a couple things. You see in the news, um, Tiger Woods not doing anything. Did you did you see he's like not officially? Well, I think they uh, the last I heard earlier in this week was, and we're recording this by the way, Saturday, March fourth. So new information may come out by the time you download the show. Right. Um, just that he's uh, got no plans. They have no. The back's on permanent rest. I think that was it. Yeah. That last I th- thing I read was um, just taking it easy. Got to calm this. The spasms and that type of stuff, and it's getting interesting now because because now guys are taking some shots. Um, did you see Pat Perez? Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, he really was. Uh, he later recanted. Uh, I'm sure he just got his knuckles wrapped severely, um, probably by his agent and other people who were a lot smarter <laughs> yeah. than him. Not the um, be- not the best target to take a shot at, but yeah, exactly. The guy who moves the needle. Um, yeah, he was saying the Tiger, the only reason he shows up is he's got these sponsorships and he's just showing up to you know earn his uh, his daily bread, that type of thing. Um, That's you what know, Pat Perez said. Yeah, but I've never been the biggest Pat Perez fan. I, I, uh, I got to think that's one of those guys who thinks the sun shines out of his orifice. And what orifice would that be? These, these are men listening. You can say ass. We're not in church. I think, I think, they, I think they can figure it out. Isn't that part of being subtle here? No, there's no subtle. You have to hit him over yeah, the head with a listen, mallet. Listen, you've only got 20 good years left. Oh, so... You're actually shy about saying the word ass, and you're going to be 60 next shy. year? You are. You're shy. Don't it's be shy. It's a more shy. interesting way of saying it than no, I don't know. orifice. Now, orifice is like, what are we in... Uh, it, it doesn't matter. It's a great word. You have to figure it out. There's some mental... Uh, gymnastics need to go on. To me, that's interesting. And I'm having this conversation with a stand-up comic. I find this interesting. 
So, um, so that's Tiger. The other thing I thought would be interesting for us to discuss is the uh, a couple rules. Did you see the uh, proposed oh, yeah. rule changes? Love it. USGA and RNA announced a series of proposed changes to the rules of golf. I got a couple of favorites. Um, the one that I thought was interesting, well, two. One is the new rule proposed for the amount of time you can look for a golf ball. Yep. From five minutes to three. Mm-hmm. And that's such an arbitrary thing. I mean, obviously, these rules are meant for in high-level competition. But in the everyday world, you know, I don't know about you, but I've never gone to look for my own ball or, or another and started timing it. Right. Well, in tournaments, you... you in you tournaments, have. you definitely are aware that, okay, I'll look down maybe. I'll get my phone out and look at, okay, where my ball now or where my ball should be. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we should start timing it. But there's a sense with each other in competition. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Have you ever? What do you do if you're in a competition, then, Coach Tim, and you know that five minutes, or in this case now three minutes, it's only 180 seconds. What do you say? I, you know what? If if it's a serious competition, and the guys, I think it's over here, um, then you got to you check your phone or something. You got to do it. You got to defend the field. I mean, that if you're going to play by the rules of golf, you're playing by the rules of golf for sure. You know, mm-hmm. and, that's and, a good way to put it. You're basically, if you're still looking and it's eight minutes, something something's gone wrong, and somebody better say something. Absolutely. Do you like that change? Five I, minutes to three. You know, I I don't know what went into it. It'd be interesting to learn from the uh, USGA what's the background on that. Um, I do think that five minutes is a long time. If you can't find it there, gosh, within three minutes, that's it's probably gone down some kind of mouse hole or something. It's or it's just in grass that you ain't gonna find it. So I'm I mean, okay we've all... with that. But I, to me, it's one of the minor ones. I'm I had more um, the things that I thought had more impact were now you can tamp down spike marks, and, and it used to always the argument was is that if you started to do that, guys would be like tamping. You know, you had a ninety foot putt, guy would be there for ten minutes, but. I think they finally saw that that's a fallacy and or just uh, something that's not going to come up. So I like that one. I also like the fact if your ball moves, mm-hmm. um, you can just, just put it back. Or say, uh, this was one that nabbed a few tour players, is that they say you had uh, the balls on the green and you have your coin and you drop your coin. And if it hits the ball, it would have moved your ball by accident. You would have got like a penalty. Mm-hmm. And that never made any sense to me because there was no intent. Sure. To do that. So now you just move it back. So a lot of these rule changes, I, I just think they make sense. Um, They're more, they sort of have modernized it. You know, that, yeah. the, the one about the player's ball in motion, yep. you know, accidentally hits him, a caddy, a person attending the flag. It was like originally the current rule, one stroke penalty. Yeah, I know. I know. But there's, as you said, that's it's it's perfect. There's no intention. Yeah, absolutely. To move it or or make an advantage. The the one I also liked that it gets back to uh, the speed of play on the PGA Tour in 2019. They're going to allow players to use a laser laser measuring device. Yeah. Or an LMD. LMD. I like that. I love LMD. It. As soon as we get into acronyms, we're no, no it's I know. serious. It's funny because I was looking at them. I'm like LMD. What does that stand like? Did uh, they, were they did they were they an opening act for ELO? <laughs> That's right, LMD in the dark. Uh, so when I and I was talking about this with Fred on the Humble and Fred show, and he said, "Why is that a big deal?" I said, "Well, because it's sort of an admission that you know these tour players, a modern game, are looking at topographical 
illustrations of every hole at a le- at a depth of of detail that's like it might as well have been lasered from the spot that they're on. Absolutely, it'll just save them the time of looking in the yardage book and then going to the bush that's three paces away, and then they'll have the numbers to the front and the back. They have it already. Just laser it once, and then they can move on. Yeah, it's not re- it's not a grand advantage at all. In in many ways, until you get to learn how to use an LMD. It can actually hinder your game. No, but I'm. But if you're a, but the point is, you're on the PGA Tour or the European Tour. You're already getting intricate detail. Yes. So just being able to throw the yardage book away and laser it, I think is a. It's actually because we at the amateur level, we're, we're already using it. Right. In um, you know the GAO competitions that I was in last year, we're all using it. Yeah. You know, we're playing at the uh, provincial level mid am. Everyone's got a uh, device. Mm-hmm. Although it's funny because in the now fifth year back playing golf. When I left in 2005, I'd never even seen one. Right. There was nobody I had. We just had some yardage books that were, you know, we had yardage books at the National, and some of the bigger courses would put out yardage books. But I'd never seen a a Garmin or whatever. What do I have? Is it Garmin that we use? I guess it is Garmin. Oh, we're back to old guys trying yeah, to remember now the names of things. Remember the thing? Remember that thing you put up to your eyes like a binocular, but it's not. I was talking to Buddy. <laughs> I was talking to Buddy about it yeah, when we remember? were at the uh, at the place. That's I believe right. they're called Range something or else. <laughs> the Range Rovers. That's it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> but now, I, as I've mentioned many times, there's not a foursome I'm in where almost everybody. Does. I mean, it's rarely now if you don't have one. Yeah. So why not on the on the tour as well? Yeah, because they can dial it in. I mean, those guys know whether they hit it, you know, whether they hit a uh, a wedge, you know, one thirty three or one thirty five. Yeah. It really doesn't matter. I, I just think that somewhere along the line, in in golf's governing bodies, they kind of got to think, God, why do we have our underwear on so tight? It's just like this, just to relax. You know, mm. it's not such a big deal. And I think what happened, and I don't think you have to be a genius to figure this out, is that. The criticism that they got over the Dustin Johnson and then the um, Brittany Lang, I believe it was, in the um, the U.S. Women's Open. Wow. Within like a month of each other, you have these like rulings that the one in the U.S. Women's had a major impact on how that turned out. But boy, oh boy, they the USGA dodged a mammoth bullet when Dustin Johnson, he did get nabbed for that one stroke. Yeah, but if he had lost, oh, uh, I because know. they, oh, I know, and I think that they just realized, wow, we got it. We have to finally do something, um, and I'm, I'm glad. And, and now, even, oh, it sounds ridiculous to talk about it, but I think now, uh, tour players are going to be allowed to wear shorts in practice rounds. Um, I, I'm not sure if that's a European tour thing or PJ tour, but like, really, it sounds ridiculous, but. The, I don't. I think that now you're gonna. It's just a, golf's becoming a little more open to the fact that wow, um, we we don't have to be so stick in the mud, rules oriented, and you know don't fart, you know or whatever. You said fart. I did. How come you didn't say make a sound come out of your orifice? Because <laughs> um, I'm opening up. I'm relaxing. Uh, okay, yeah, exactly. I'm relaxing. Right. Um, I don't know if it's about uh, being less uptight. Maybe it is. I think a lot of these rules had to do with just practicality, whether it's using a a rangefinder or even the way that you're allowed to drop the ball now. 
yeah. you know, for yeah. forever in golf, you have to stand at attention, eyes uh, <laughs> parallel to the ground, hand over your heart. You had to drop it from shoulder height and on and on and While on. While singing God Bless America. Exactly. And, you uh, of that ilk. And now you, apparently you can drop it just an inch above the ground. It just has to, it has to be in free fall. Yeah. However, they as long as you don't spin it. And yeah, as long as you're that. not spinning it. But if you drop it, it can literally be just off the ground, which makes more sense than trying to drop it from six feet up, and then the ball's going. You don't know where it went, and they have to do it twice. You go through this mime. Okay, there it was. Yeah, it's just so <laughs> dumb. You know, from people who don't who are not golfers, you can understand why sometimes they look at this game and just go, "Why would anyone play that? Oh my god, everyone's so anal retentive and." We have a lot of that going on today. Um, you know, all this carefulness and I mean, you know, the don't rule, cheat, don't cheat, my God. The rules of the game are what make the great, the game great, and there there was a situation. You know, They're knowing part of it. knowing part of of the it. rules. Well, they, I mean, the fact that it's not. I mean, it's not anarchy. It's not. Uh, <laughs> it's not like. Uh, but but some it's of the noble. It's very noble. exactly. There's a there's a there's a nobility to it. That's a great word. There's a nobility to golf that uh, is. Enhanced by those rules, Absolutely. but some of them are just so antiquated, yeah, and uh, unpractical. So that's uh, interesting. So there's like, uh, and it's funny because when I saw them, I was got, I got all excited. And I'm like, I reread. I'm like, oh, this is proposed to take effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's going to be. It's it's. Um, I think there's going to be a, a time period in which uh, if you have thoughts about this, uh, you can write in, and they'll take that into consideration. But a lot of this stuff, I think, will just probably fly through. Some things, you know, might be tweaked a bit. Like maybe the the drop the ball thing might get tweaked a bit. Um, but I was thinking, like, does it now is like you get to see like a tour player who's just kind of pissed that he's lost his ball or something, and he's just kind of throw a ball up in the air. <laughs> that's right. See wherever it lands, and you know, oh, that's lost too. Uh, there's also they're proposing that uh, you play ready golf. Yeah, wow, which is great. Absolutely, it is great. And I think it's what a lot of a lot of the rules that they're proposing, or the changes, I should say, some of them, I should say, are basically what we all do anyway. Yeah, it, it, including now, there's going to be far more lateral hazards than the, the the yellow stakes. So you can just like play the one club length, mm-hmm. uh, club length. Oh boy. Uh, club length away rather than having to do get this thing all lined up and everything. It's just a lot of it is, yeah, that's a great point, that it's a lot closer to the way people actually play the game. Um, this gentleman across from me is Tim O'Connor. My name's Humble Howard Glassman. Uh, for some reason, uh, some people like to put humble in quotation marks uh, as though a grown man, nearly 80 years old, shouldn't be called humble. How dare you? You know what that is? <laughs> anyway. Um, you can address the buzz thing. Yeah, oh yeah, we have a buzz on these microphones. Sorry. I forgot. <laughs> I was, was 20 minutes ago. I said, we should talk about the buzz on the microphones. <laughs> yeah, we got a buzz on our microphones at the Humble and Fred uh, Broadcast Center on the Queensway. And we have uh, Stan. Look what Stan does. Stan's in the... No, no, stay there. It's okay. He's, he, he, what he does, he likes to go where the sun is shining. Oh, and yeah. it's, it's a beautiful day here on the 4th of March. It is. Hi, Stan. Hey, Even though we've had a couple of cold days. Earlier this week, golf fans, we uh, it was like 15 degrees one day. I took him out, took the dog out, and I was hitting some chips and starting to feel uh, golf in the air. Have God, you, Hidden Lake... Yeah. Near Burlington Open, uh, Tarandawa. What? Yeah, Tarandawa near uh, near London. Um, yeah, but Hidden Lake uh, opened uh, up here like a week and a half ago. Absolutely. It's absurd. Yeah, I, and I've heard that at Tarandawa they had 
about nine. Oh, I don't know. They had lots of golfers, and I had a friend who was out. And I know, so did I. Crazy. I had somebody who said, "Hey, would you like? Do you like to play soggy golf?" And I'm like, <laughs> uh, "No, I don't." Well, it's you know, but now we're into March, and uh, I remember when I was actually employed by Clublink. Uh, I think it was around March seventh or tenth. Rolling Hills was open. Um, so yeah. where's Rolling Hills? I think now it's been actually, it might even be renamed. It might be Station Creek now or one of those uh, club link courses where they blow them up real good. And uh, Station them. Creek's like in the northeast yeah. up there on uh, 404. That, yeah. Okay. It used good to be, golf course. Yeah. Yeah, really good. Really nice, actually. Mm-hmm. Well, that's funny because if you listen, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's somebody listening who doesn't live in Ontario, but we're really lucky. And coming from Saskatchewan where... You know, there was golf stops basically early October and doesn't start again till close to the May long weekend. I mean, you can get out there, but yeah. out here, you know, I was golfing. There was definitely people golfing in, in this area in December, and they've already been golfing in, in February. Yeah. So we're very lucky. Now on to, uh, is it O'Connor, Tim O'Connor? Is that what it is? Um, My website? Yeah, no, I'm just saying who you are. You're oh, Tim yeah, O'Connor. Yeah, yeah. You've uh, you've been we've been doing this show together for over a year. Mm-hmm. And um, Tim's latest blog, I thought, was interesting, and it might be a good place for us to sort of start today in the today's spiritual leader sermon. But Tim's blog, and you can describe it, is is interesting because it's about Tim, and you're Tim, right? It's about Tim most of the time becoming comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. Which is doing this show with me? Yeah, a lot of people find it uncomfortable. I don't. I'm just kidding. Um, but I loved it because it's it's so germane to what golfers go through. And I think today what we should do is talk a little bit about the blog, but also connect it to the practicality. Uh, we've had some feedback about the practicality of what is the mental side going to do for me as a golfer, right? It's all yours. Yeah, well, actually, it was so. It was the second last blog I wrote, and it was largely about my own um, recognition of how I would say how fear plays itself out, and it can happen for golfers all the time, and it happened for me in becoming aware of what was going on. So, what happened to me was I became aware that as we started the podcast. When Howard and I were just chatting about things and tour news like we did a few minutes ago, pretty good. You know, it was no problem uh, for me. I was still learning a lot. But every once in a while, Howard would go, we'd build to something. He goes, okay, now, coach, tell our <laughs> listeners something that they, they could do as a takeaway. And I would just kind of go, oh, and, and I, it would be, okay, now I have to show everyone how brilliant I am. I have to prove that I'm a coach. And that I've, you know, I know my stuff and then I'm going to say something intelligent and something that people could take away. And I would just, I would choke in those moments. I would, it would be just like being on a golf course. And my emotions would um, kind of run on me a little bit. And I would just find that I just couldn't spit out the words very well. I became very conscious of what I was trying to say, like really thinking it out, make sure you say the right things, being careful and just getting in my own way. Mm-hmm. And I would, and I'd listen back and I'd be stammering and, and maybe listeners weren't, you know, weren't as cognizant as, uh, as certainly I was. We all tend to be 
more critical of ourselves than anyone else. Oh no, that we were critical. We had a uh, we had our own Facebook group. Did you have a what, bowling group? Yeah, we know we had a Facebook group. What the what's what's Tim's really trying to say? <laughs> no, but no, I want to just stop you there. That's was that the dump Tim campaign that was <laughs> that going was, on there? That was a campaign. We had a we had a Kickstarter campaign to kick you to the curb. No, what you just said about. Um, you know, not feeling like you were smart enough or good enough or had the uh, you had to have the exact right thing at the right moment. Mm-hmm. And also, the listeners aren't paying as close attention as we are. I oh, mean, I'm see. barely paying attention, but I mean, they're <laughs> but you know what I mean? They don't listen the same way you do. They don't hear the stammering and they don't hear that. You just, they just hear you. Yeah. But the, the point is, is that um, what I became aware of, there's a couple of major things I became aware of myself was that I've had this, uh, throughout my life, I've had this this thing about make sure I do everything right. And that's why when I jump in on some, I read all the books, I, I get fully invested. And I think part of me, it's my fascination, it's my own stuff I'm working on on my own, but there's part of me that has to do everything right. And that serves me in many ways in terms of the things I've done. Like when I started to get into writing, I read books on grammar and, you know, uh, all kinds of different parts of it. I basically self-educated myself on writing. Then I had to learn to get the hell out of my own way when writing instead of, you know, being making sure I write the, 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 the perfect first paragraph, second paragraph, etc. Once I let go of that, then I started just to be able to get into flow. Same thing with this. And what I became aware of was what was happening to me physically. And that it was like this clench. And when I would start, when you would ask me, okay, guru, say something brilliant now, which is, of course, how I interpreted it. I would feel this. I became aware that in my chest and in my neck, I would just clench. And um, so I started just go, where is that coming from? And I connected it to other parts of my life when, uh, when I would write or play golf or be in a, let's say, when I used to do PR work with a client or when I would just start to feel a little bit threatened. And it was some pressure. Yeah, absolutely. But all self-induced for sure. And but if I may, all pressure is uh, yeah, self-induced. Abso- absolutely. Yes. Yeah. 100%. But once I became aware of what was going, it's like, oh, my gosh, this is what's going on. And I, I put, I connected the dots, and I just went, "Wow, this is something I've felt throughout my life," and I was able to just go, "Oh yeah, this one again." And it's what in in um, in sort of psychological work and whatnot. It's called known as a shadow, and the shadow was basically, you know, I haven't earned it. I'm not good enough, and that would come through in t- in terms of like being in the state of fear. And so. And, we're, and, and in a second, I want to connect this to uh, to what we go through as golfers. But and and in the in the blog that you can read at O'ConnorGolf.ca, Tim explains what you did to overcome this pressure, this feeling in your neck, the tightness in your chest. I would just be with it. I would just recognize that it was just recognize that it was happening, and then just let it be. And all I realized is that all I had to do was just say, okay, it came up, and now we're just going to let it go. It's almost like a passing cloud. It's, it's like something that comes up and you just go, you know, thank you very much for sharing that, but I'm just going to ignore you and push you to the side. And then I would just breathe and just allow what whatever would come up would come up. 
And it was really interesting to find out that just like in golf, just like in writing, just like in other, you know, having a conversation with someone, when I just allowed something to come up without trying to force it, without trying to do it right, it was invariably the right thing. It was appropriate. It made sense. It just filled in. It was just natural. So I don't know if uh, the rest of uh, uh, the swing thought people have found that as fascinating as I do. But I love all that. And if you go back and listen, you just did, <clears throat> I don't know, four or five minutes. Just now, you just did four or five minutes of articulate, you know, well thought out, thoughtful, sensitive, smart, talking speech um, <laughs> with really, really no intervention for me. You just explain. And, and, I, and I would say to somebody who has been listening to us since we started, you didn't have, you couldn't have done that 40 podcasts ago. Yeah. You didn't have the comfort. You did, and, and, and how this, hang on a second. Let me get golf spiritual leader music. <laughs> so why this is so good, I think, for, for what Tim just said and how this applies to golf is, uh, is about to be revealed. <laughs> You see, what Tim started concentrating on, and I and I was waiting to hear if you had any, again, any, like, not concrete, but... So, being aware of your body, or being aware of the situation, or being at ease with the situation, but really, let me interpret it this way for you. What, what, what we all tend to do, whether it's golf, public speaking, or in any other aspect of our lives, we, in, we tend to focus on... Ego and results. Let's just make it simple. I don't want to get too down the the rabbit hole of, you know, male empowerment. But I will just say this. A lot of guys listening feel and sense that there's something about the way they are in golf. And they suspect it's how they are in life that they're less than satisfied with. Mm -hmm. So we've been doing this show now for a year. And I wonder, you know, if someone had to say, well, what did you learn from it? I think what people would say, I hope, is that... That there's a lot of fun to be had in learning about yourself and how you show up in the game of golf. And why what you said and what you said in your blog is, is so important, I think, is that it's not about how what you shoot and it's not about how you how good your golf swing is. It's about the your how invested you are in the process of it all. And you'll find that as you just did, when you you know, you are aware of the tightness and you, you understand that, that it's gonna happen but you don't panic over it, then mm-hmm. then what you end up doing is making connections with people. Yeah. yeah. And, and making connections is really more important than content. So in the golf metaphor, yes, having a good golf swing is important. And I know that comes up a lot with people that listen to this show. It's easy for me to say because I'm already a good player. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to tell you, You know, I've said this joke before about, you know, on the first tee of every golf course, it should say past performance is no guarantee of future results. Absolutely. And every round of golf starts with a a clean slate, but it starts with me and I think with you and people that have heard the show. I'd hope that you understand every round of golf starts with the understanding that there is going to be struggle. And struggling, like you've been describing your struggle when we first started doing this, struggling is the point of it all. Yes, absolutely. But it's being comfortable with it. I was on the phone this morning before we started with the guy that just started doing stand-up comedy, and he said to me, do you ever get comfortable 
um, you know, with the nerves and, and being on stage and the pressure. And I said, you know, I used to think that if you practiced really, really hard, you'd get to a point where you wouldn't feel that. But I said, as I've gotten older in doing stand-up and being on stage, it's not about that ever going away because it doesn't. You just becomes comf- you become more comfortable and able to deal with it. So if it's your club championship or you're in the middle of your best round, you know, hopefully some of the things that we've shared with people will get them around the idea that it's okay to feel that way because everybody else does. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. To me, what so much of what you're talking about, and there was so much there that we could just dive deeper into, but it's really, as you say, it's not about the results. If golf is about score, then it's not much of a game at all. To me, golf is actually um, you know, winning, I mean, and that stuff is all great. But if the object of golf is to break you know, 190, 80, whatever, or to win the tournament, if that's what it's about, it's empty experience to me. Because to me, golf... Like most of the things we do, going to work, um, all the different things that we like to do, it's more about what are we really learning about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we really peel it away and that growing awareness of what's what's really going on within us. So to make a – to connect this really to golf as much as I uh, want to, what we tend to do – and I certainly am a classic example of it – is – I believe that I'm not doing as well as I should, mm-hmm. so I'll seek some more information. I tend to be that type of person. So Same with I me. Seek more information. Somebody help me. Yeah, exactly. Download someone's information. Get someone's input. And so I'll take that and go, okay, this is the key. Today, I'm going to do this. And so I'm trying. I'm trying hard. I'm consciously trying to, to, to you know, put some effort into something. And so thus, I'm thinking about it. So you know what, folks? What I came to see is that it's not the trying. It's not the thinking. It was being aware of what was going on inside me. And to me, my body was giving me the signal, buddy, there's something going on here Mm -hmm. you're not paying attention to. Because my body was tightening up. And once I connected, I went, oh, that's fear. That's that's fear. And that's, folks, is that's where I've made this really this is what i connected to is that our emotions are expressed through our bodies and when we start to become aware of that stuff then you've then you've got something to work with particularly on the golf course or in different parts of your life is how is your body reacting and let me find i don't think there are words yet written that will express how much i agreed with what you just said (laughs) like 100 percent doesn't do it many agreements doesn't uh, there are. There needs to be a word invented that will uh, crystallize. Why don't you just do that hallelujah thing? All yeah. right. I don't mind sitting on a different screen. Here's the. Uh, here's the other thing that. That as a golfer, a guy that, you know, was I, I was talking to this this stand up comedian uh, before. He's a really good guy. Just started, and I've been. I tried to. I've been trying to connect what we talk about. In fact, I said I'm about to. Uh, uh, record my golf podcast with my friend Tim. He's a mental performance coach. We talk about the mental side. There's so much about what I've learned in the 25 years of researching this and golf and, and stand-up. The, the similarities are this. Most comics go on stage concentrating on remembering the material. I, I, I have. I've gone through this. And, and thinking, if I can just get my material out of my mouth correctly, then they're going to like me, and I won't 
I won't be in trouble and I'll make them laugh. But I made a I made a, a pivot about a month and a half ago. And I've been on stage like this week alone. I've been on, I've been on stage five times, four times already this week. I'm going on again tonight. Wow! And what I made the what I made the golf leap to, which is. My job isn't to go out and wow you with my golf swing. In golf, my job is to go out and have a, a great experience and enjoy the day and, and see how I do and, you know, and, and how well am I. It's all about process. And the same is true of stand-up comedy. As I said to this kid, kid, he's 43, I said, you know, here's the thing. I said, it's about making a connection with the audience. That's the process. That's the game that I didn't understand. When I, I did stand-up comedy as a kid, much like my golf career, where I, I went at it a certain way, and I thought that if I just worked hard on my material, then I would be okay. If I worked hard on my golf swing, I'd be okay. But what I found out is you, it's how you do Aside from how good your golf swing is, it's the struggle of golf that is to be embraced, not to be ignored, which is what most of us do. And that's why when we're having trouble with our golf game, we go to somebody and go, hey, can you give me a tip? Yeah. Or when I'm having a bad night as a comic, I think, oh, you know, I listen to my material. I go, I got to work on that joke. What I don't, what I wasn't paying attention to is how did I connect initially with those people mm-hmm. and as soon as i made that my job that i could control how i was going to try and connect i can't control the audience maybe they like my joke maybe they don't but i'll tell you what once they like me they're more likely it's not guaranteed they're just more likely to like what i'm going to say because now we're friends we've got a rapport Whereas prior to that, I, I wasn't concentrating on rapport. I was concentrating on my, my jokes and could I remember them? Yeah, exactly, which is completely different. It's like the, the, the feeling of fragility that golfers have, and I know this is going to resonate. We all feel fragile in that what if my swing deserts me? Then what am I? Then what do I have? Yeah. And what we've learned here on Swing Thoughts and what I've learned personally from Tim and Doolin and other people is... I got a lot of other stuff to to rely on that has nothing to to do with whether I'm hitting it good that day or not. And that's, I think, the biggest takeaway from this show. It doesn't matter how you're hitting it. You can always rely on... I've sent notes to you that say, uh, C C minus golf swing, A plus brain. Yeah, yeah. 75. Mm -hmm. I've had lots of good rounds where I was hitting it not great, just okay. Yeah, because you were taking care of process, you were connecting, you were aware of what was going on within you, as opposed to trying to make pretty golf swings. We've really, that's been a theme too on this show, is that if the object is to make a pretty golf swing and to make a technically proficient move, you're not playing golf, because that's not the object of golf, is to hit pretty golf shots. It's to make, send this white thing to that, and whatever means it takes you is you know it, it doesn't matter how you do it just as long as you do it sure i mean that's the the technical but i think the connection part yeah, the, exactly. the the process that we learn and we go through and whether it's you know your eyes up on the horizon or your you know making sure that you're not going to hit the ball until you're ready all those things are things you can rely on and by the way not just when you're playing well yeah absolutely well i think connection is i mean i, I wrote that down and um I think connection is huge, as you talked about, with your, with your audience. Because if you're not connecting with them, yeah, your material could be great, but there's just, it's not going to happen the same way in any kind of relationship. And that includes relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. And in golf, if you aren't 
aware of what's going on, you're not connected with what's really going on inside you that moment, then basically your emotions, those things, they're going to be in your blind spot. And you're going to feel fragile all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's really not about... Uh, coming to the first tee with um, a swing, thought, move, feel, you know, and that today I'm going to do this all day today. I'm going to hit it out of the ballpark, man. Because if you get if if you're in a situation where suddenly you start to feel a little bit of um, you a little know, pressure, anxi- a little push, yeah, anxiousness a little bit, then suddenly that part's going to get you. And if you're not aware of that happening in you, you're done, pal. But let's let's before we move on. How many times that people listening? I'm, I've done it. You've done it. We've all done this. We get a swing thought. We have a swing tip. We're on the range and we're just hitting it great. And today's the day. And we go to the first tee, and for the first couple of holes, yeah. that swing thought holds up. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere, as soon as we get a little bit of struggle or it, it, you're in a bit of an unusual lie and it didn't work that time, if that's your raison d'etre, that's your reason to be in golf that day, that's why so many of us have gone, yeah, I had to go in there first five or six holes and then just lost it and never got it back because it's based on a fragile notion. It's based on a house of cards, if you will, mm-hmm. whereas... What, what I've discovered in the last year, especially last summer, especially, is that relying on your golf swing is a very uh, fragile. And I, I got to think of a better word, but it's a very tenuous. Tenuous. That's what I was going for. But relying on your process is is rock solid. It's rock solid every day. I Yeah, I still have rounds where I don't shoot whatever number would indicate I've had a good round, but I've even the rounds where I'll shoot a higher number, 81, 82, something. Um, I'm still committed to my process. It's golf. We're human beings. So that's the, that's the answer to the question. Why doesn't it work every day? Well, it does work every day. It just said some days, you know, putts go in, putts don't go in. Yeah, right. But if you're, if you're concentrating on what Tim is saying and what I'm proponing, proponent of, then you're going to be less connected to your crappy golf swing that day. Yeah, or identifying that I didn't shoot, I, I didn't break uh, 90 today, and so my swing thought doesn't work, and I must go back to the range and figure it out. Right. Whereas if you're invested in process, like you talked about, then you're generally, you're so much more aware of what's actually going on within you. And it becomes, golf isn't just this finite thing in which today, yet another day, I didn't break 90. Yeah. Uh, oh, gosh. As opposed to, what did I learn about myself today? What did I become more aware? What, 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 just, piece what of did the Tim say there? You, got, you don't need, it's not a finite thing every day. Right. Right. Write that down, swing thoughters. <laughs> you, to me, if it was it's... too good to let go by. Thank you. Um, if it's more about process, awareness, learning, then you are peeling off one piece of the onion skin with every moment on the golf course, and you're becoming that more aware and here's like, you know, a spiritual leader. Hang on a second. Uh, Howard. Let me get my golf spiritual leader, Howard Glassman, golf spiritual leader. Well, I was, yes, go ahead, sir. Ask. Well, I was actually referred to another golf spiritual leader. Who's that, Fred Shoemaker? Fred Shoemaker. Yeah, yeah he's, he's pretty good, too. Yeah, he's good, too. And he says that your performance tomorrow is not dependent on your performance today. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Right, right, right. So say that again, people. Your performance... Tomorrow is not dependent on your performance today. I think I switched that around. No, and your I'll tell you. performance tomorrow is based on your learning today. And, and here's the thing what you said. Golf's not a finite experience. Let me tell you something. Uh, why I got excited. And uh, 
Because we have a tendency as golfers, we have a tendency as people to think that every day we need to solve everything. For instance, let's just use golf. We, we go to golf and we think if we're, not, if we're not doing good that day, then we're never going to do good. And aren't we uh, shitty and didn't all that practice? A spiral of thinking. A spiral of thinking. And, and then that leads to frustration and anger yeah, and not yeah. a very good time. Um, it, and now I will use that as a parallel to what I've been doing, you know, doing stand-up my whole life, but recently a lot, is that every time I go up, I have to judge it. I mean, because I, I, I had fallen back into old habits of, oh, I'm, you know, I'm no good, this didn't work. But then I, I kind of went, wait a second, no, no, it's like golf. Every day I have control over a few things. How I prepare, mm-hmm. you know, am, am I hydrated, all those things. And so I don't need to, I don't need to get my Netflix special tonight when I go on stage at Yuck Yucks and do seven minutes. Right. It's not going to make a... It won't be the winner. I don't need to pass or fail every time. I just need to be invested in the process. So in golf, we tend to think, okay, it's sixth hole. That swing thought didn't work. Will I ever find something that works? And then, as you say, it spirals out of control. So I wanted to connect that idea that, you know, every day you play golf isn't an opportunity to prove that you, doesn't have to be an opportunity to prove that you know that you've solved the game that's why there's all those clichés uh, you know you don't ever you don't get golf you rent it you, yeah, you know whatever yeah, yeah. you don't own yeah. your swing well, all that stuff but you can own whatever process you develop with Tim or myself or on your own you can own that mhm you know i don't know how many more shows we can do but we say it really you need to find the point to playing is not how well your golf swing looks or how it holds up. Right. Because yep. that isn't the point. Absolutely. And it will be a lifetime of aggravation. And as a byproduct, you're just not going to be any good at it. You'll have good moments, but you won't get what you want if part of what you want is to be a better player. It, well, then, as you say, um, if it's really about the number you shot on a scorecard that day, if, it's, if, it's, if that's really what golf is about, then... I don't know how your identity, your fra- someone's fragile identity could hold up under that because it just leads, to, as you say, to a spiral of thinking, uh, judgment But whether I did. And I think as soon as we go to those places on anything, yeah. we're, we're basically stopping the flow of what we can really do as, as humans. And that may sound really super Pollyannish and all that good stuff, but I really believe that if you're a human being, you've got... Um, you've just got this amazing, amazing body and mind that's through million, millions of years of evolution. And so we just need to draw on that, for God's sakes. And most of it is we just kind of get in our own way. And so for golfers, uh, like to connect the dots around what I was feeling on my podcast, by being aware that I was starting to literally choke, not literally, but figuratively, I guess, um, once I became aware of that, then I had something to work with. Then I was able to go, oh, yeah, this is what's going on. Because if it's happening in your body, man, it's real. Your, th- your thoughts are just all over the place. Thoughts aren't real. You can, yeah, but you, I should say you made, a, you made a, a step that a lot of guys, even people listening to the show, aren't always willing to make, which is to kind of look at it and go, all right, this isn't serving me very well. Mm-hmm. What would serve me better? And if you, if that should probably be the sub subtitle of our show, if this is if your behavior around golf isn't serving you well, could we offer you that there's could, might we offer that there's an alternative way to behave? Well, um, and you're not going going to make the changes you want in your game if 
what's going on, what's causing your behavior and the things that are going on are in your blind spots. And that's largely what happens. I know that for, for me, for sure. Um, you know, there's been times I've been rolling along in a great golf game coming. And then I come to the, to the, um, to the 18th fairway and just something's different. I just know that my body's different and I just try, I would just, I would just try and think my way through it and put a good swing thought and bam, it would just not work out until I started to become aware that my, what was going on in my body, cause your emotions express themselves, express themselves through your body. Mm-hmm. So if there's fear coursing through there, mm-hmm. then it's going to come out in some way. And me, it would be to tighten up my shoulders and, and my hands and arms. So that was a, in my blind spot for a long time until I started to become more aware of that. Oh, just by being aware of it, it just starts to release it because I'm now aware of it. And that is, um, there's a lot there to, to digest. But if something's in your blind spot, you're not going to be able to take action on it. And you'll continue to do behaviors, whether it's like, whether it's in golf, whether it's hitting a, a shank or, or chipping a or flubbing chip shots or leaving putts short. There's something going on there that's getting in your way that's usually not tied to the fact that you are decelerating or any kind of technical stuff. Well, that's what we do. So if something happens, something goes awry, we shank it, we pull it, we snap, we snap hook it, whatever the, whatever the physical manifestation of Well, I your, flipped my wrists or yeah. I came from outside or something. And, and some of that might be true. Yes. But... You know, that, I would say that if those things are happening on the range, uh, then, yeah, look to some technical. Uh, maybe you're aimed further right than you. I guarantee you're aimed further right than you think you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always, it's funny because, like, I literally have one technical thing that I can tell almost everybody listening does wrong, and that's including myself. Is we aim for, for right-handed golfers, we tend to aim further right. But on the actual golf course itself, push a little push on us, a little pressure, whether it's whatever the pressure is that that those things that we do tend to exacerbate themselves because we're not in our body but i'm going to put you on the spot though so we talked about process we talked mm-hmm. about being aware and we talked about but but i would say if i'm your student what am i do what am i doing in a session with you You've, we've had the talk. We did 45 minutes on being more aware. Mm-hmm. But what do i do the next time uh, what what are we going to start working toward the next time i go golfing what are some what what's a thing that will give me i understand it theoretically what do i do instead of that become aware of what's going on seriously that's that's really what what it is what's going on with you are you present to yourself do you are, are you are you actually feeling what's going on within your body and in your mind in that in that moment of what's going on so but you wouldn't so you'd say okay howard uh, next time you're going out this sunday with your buddies just be aware of what's going on as you become more aware of what's going on, then you can start to see, oh, I can see how this has got me. I can see how when I'm coming up to, the, to these shots that my, I'm taking a death grip on the club. Just by being aware you've got a death grip on the club, you're going to start, just, it'll just ease off. Because mm-hmm. again, That's a big piece. It, it's huge. Because awareness is curative. Seriously. Once you become aware of what's going on, then you go, oh, I don't want to be doing that. It's not really a cognitive piece. It's not an intellectual thing. Your body, if it's in a, mo- if you're feeling stress <clears throat> right now, you could do it. If you w- sort of did like a body scan and you felt some tension in your calves and maybe you're tensing or something, just by paying, putting your attention on your calves, the tension would start to 
go away because you don't you instinctually you don't want that stress you'll, mm-hmm. you'll let it go the i mean point f- is, is so if you're on the golf course and you're um you're not aware of your tendencies to do certain things then they're always going to have you they'll be in your blind spots so until you're aware of what's going on then you can start to take some action so it's just so so it's so when when so what at what point are you telling your students okay here's some action to take and what is that action to take it's it's well the action to take is just to let it be in all honesty, if you've got something going on in your, let's say you have a tendency to um, to just to look up, you know, early on your putts or something. Yeah, yeah. You can just just keep doing that. Just keep looking up early. Then you'll become aware of it, and you at some point you'll stop. Okay. You'll stop doing it. You know what I would say. Um this is kind of, this is a little bit of advanced stuff for some some for sure. What what I was going to say is I think for for me as a takeaway if I can pass this on as golf spiritual leader uh, is to remind everybody that the point of it all the big point of this and not even at a higher level is that you need to embrace the chaos of golf. The mental chaos, the un the things that you, and let the things that you can't influence let mm-hmm. them go. You know, a lot of us, you know, I play at Glencairn. It's one of the windiest golf courses I've ever played. And for the first couple of years I was there, I became aware that every time I drove in there, I'd see the flags bent over and I'd go, oh, great. It's windy again. <laughs> like I did. Oh, I get it. I had this running gag on the range like, wow, you know, it's like a three club win. And as we're warming up at 730, you know, it's going to be like a nine club win. And I'd be like, well, it's windy again. Well, that's not something you see here. Very, you know, I mean, I, but I what I realized was I was reinforcing my distaste for having to hit knock down three irons 140 yards right yeah and then i became aware of it and went oh that's not serving me well because i i was i'm sorry go ahead here's a concrete example of what i'm saying about mine is a concrete example or do you have another one I have one that's equally that's even as better concrete. than that one. Equally as concrete. Because I'm, 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 I'm going to con- finish mine in a second then. Oh, then you finish yours now. I no, do you know what you're going to say? Because old guys, sometimes we forget. No, I do know what I'm going to say. Can go, you do it first thing because I know what I'm going to say. Okay. I interrupted you. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. I'm feeling shame. No, I'm no, aware don't, of shame. Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> don't feel any of that. I just was going to finish this point. But you go ahead. Jump fun. in, dude. Fun. Okay. So one of the things that you said that is so common is that people tend to aim, say, to the right. Yes. Right-handers do it all the time. It actually feels kind of powerful yes they do it Um, for a million reasons yeah so if you are not aware you're doing that that's going to have you oh yeah you're going to make that mistake all the time so what i'm talking about is just like where am i actually aiming the club oh i happen to be aiming right of my target so you know what it becomes rather obvious that i don't do that so you then start to just start to go okay i'm going to line up with the, with the target, and maybe I might even use an intermediate target right. to to line up the club. So now mm-hmm. you're more aware of what you're doing, and now you can build that. Say because you're aware of it, you could build that into your process. So maybe you make your intent for your next golf game is that I'm not going to focus on my score today. I'm going to focus on lining up right every time. I lining up correctly. Correctly, yeah. yes, thank you. Not right because we're already lining up way too far right. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's to me is very a concrete way to take this yeah. big topic of awareness and drill it down so your average golfer can take so they can take an awareness and now they can put it in a concrete way into their game. Um, 
because if you're not aware of this tendency to aim out to the right, that you're going to be compromising absolutely all the time. And, and so, what I was going to say, very good. Uh, so, what I was saying about embracing the struggle of windy days and days when you're playing with better players or days when you're playing, and is that if you don't understand that this is what golf is, that all of this is supposed to be how it is. You know, there's... I, Reality. I mean, well, that, that golf's like everything else. It doesn't always go mm-hmm. how you plan it to go. And as I was going to say, the example of the win is I noticed, I noticed, I became aware of that. You know, I kind of, in year three of playing this golf course, I played there for four summers. But about some of them in the middle of year three, I realized, hey, dude, it's always windy here. <laughs> So shut up about it already because it's not ser- it doesn't serve me Absolutely. and it was and it was I was I was literally influencing how I walked to the, to the first tee of every round I played there as opposed to now I go wow it's windy again isn't that fun mm-hmm. and what will, what fun challenge that will be and I'll tell you what when I now hit a knockdown five iron one twenty into a back right pin it's cool yeah they sometimes go off the planet there yes it does um, but my point is every round of golf whether it's windy or not or the 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 idea that you walk to the first tee hoping it's just going to be great you know it's funny I was talking to this comic I said comedians and I'm one of them we hope every night we go on stage that it goes that everything goes great but you know what it never does mm-hmm. even on nights and I had one the other night where I did really really well I got big laughs you know we would in parlance of golf I'd, we'd say I killed but there were a couple moments and I listened back to it where I, I basically tried to do this thing in the middle of the story and it just laid there just flat but you, you there's nobody that would have noticed that except me right but where I used to get very upset, get nervous, or I, I didn't work and I'd get uh, uncomfortable. I just let it go and kept on going. The, the application of golf is that first tee shot you're going to hit in a, in a couple of weeks' time, you know, just know that it can go out of bounds. And it, and it might. And yep. then what do you do? And it's, it's, it's that on every shot on every hole. It did good or it didn't do good or you're in a good position or you're not, but that's going to happen. That's why I love the game because on every single activity that we do, whether it's putting, chipping, or hitting, there's always that moment of did you solve the puzzle or didn't you? But it's the solving of the puzzle that's the game. It's not whether it you know, hit it close or not. Yeah. It's all about it's that. It's the struggle to solve the puzzle. Yeah, it's it's yeah, exactly. It's that journey thing, you know, of, of just enjoying how it's how it's going along, and uh, because if it's if it's all about just result, you getting laughs as a comic, me if it's if I think that part of the, let me ask you, when you were, came to, up to Glen Cairn and you found it was like a three club wind, it was like oh today I'm not going to shoot well. Was that was was that part of the thinking? I went not going to shoot. No, a it wasn't. Score it wasn't. Today? It, well, it was. It wasn't. Before I got to today, I'm not going to score well. It was today. I have to. It's going to be another struggle. Right. It's that. Yes. And which will mean I won't, maybe I won't score as well as I can. And I'm going to be uh, under the wind uh, on six. It's 452 yards. It's driver uh, three wood, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it really came down to, and I, and I recognize this about myself. It really came down to, well, now I got to struggle. <laughs> like I walked, it's funny, about a month and a half ago, oh, yeah. on a Saturday night, I was at Yuck Yucks in uh, Mississauga about six weeks ago, five weeks ago. Huge crowd, 250 people. Nice. Everything, I just, everything that came out of my mouth was insanely funny. 
I did like eight minutes, big applause, blah, blah, blah. On the Monday, two days later, I was in front of seven people in a comedy club. And it was a thousand times tougher. Now, my attitude was, was sort of I walked in like, oh, great. Now there's only six people. <laughs> now, this is going to be shitty. They're not going to laugh. like. And I'm, I did all that. Yeah. All that went through my head. And then I went, all right, Howard, just get over yourself. Yeah. And see if you can connect with these six people. Mm-hmm. And I realized in that moment it was like a three-club wind. Hey, nice, nice, you know, like beautiful metaphor there. Like I got to come in there and, and those six people, if I could make them laugh, then I've done something here. This has been worthwhile because because I'm telling you prior to that, I walked into a club where I was doing there's like 10 or 12 people. And I was like, well, this will be what a waste of time this is. Yeah. Already in a mindset of oh, this is going to be hard. <laughs> like, <laughs> And I'm telling you, it's the it's the same thing. I hear myself saying the same Repetitive, stupid things. When I got to the club and it was the the the, the flags were ha- you know halfway to the ground, I used to just think that that would be an impediment to my wonder. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Instead, now I go, oh, okay. Well, let's see. This will be interesting. You know, this will be. It's going to be tough, but you know, I'm going to be. That's my mindset today. You know, and, and when I'm warming up, I'm just hitting knock down everything, and I'm trying to see if I can curve it against the wind, and you know, can I can I keep the spin down with the wind, and all those things, and that becomes the game. And what I didn't understand is that is all there is. The game, the process, the fun. What am What am I learning? What, what's this experience like? You know, that's reality. As opposed to, boys, is today the day I solve the golf puzzle? Is today the day I break 80? Wow. I mean, that's just not, that's just not really life. And I love, um, I'm going to connect to uh, Ben Kern. Uh, we've talked about him many times, a dear departed golf professional. And I remember him talking about, um, I, think, I think it's number, I think it's now number 11. I think they switched the nines at, uh, at uh, the paintbrush. And I remember him saying that if you hit a good drive on 11, it's this big par 5, and it kind of up to a hill and goes down, and it got, has bunkers in front. And he said that he would just like, the fun part about the brush was it puts moments like this in front of him. He would just hit a shot, and he would see, would it like run up between the bunkers and or would it go in the bunkers? He said, that was so much fun. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how different is that than, oh, man, I'm in the bunker, damn it. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, you know, just watch it and see what fun happens. And, yeah, that to me is when we're playing from that place in any part of our lives, wow. I love that. When you're playing from that place. Then you're going to have some fun and some learning. It's like you and your stand-up stuff. You're learning so much. Like with those seven people. If it was all about, oh, my God, this is going to be so hard. <laughs> Believe me, that's what you think of, though. Of course, in the same way you, you had Glenn Karen with a three-club wind or any golfer comes up and, and it's a, you know, they, they got drawn with some people they don't like. Uh, it's probably going to rain today. Or golfers that, you know, get paired up or they they bring a friend. I mean, how many, I've had this said to me. I've had guys say uh, when I've joined them, oh, you're not going to want to play with me. Really? Why is that? Because that's all about them. Oh yeah. Because I'm a I'm a scratch and you're or a one handicap, whatever I was at the time, and and you're a fifteen. You assume you're making it seem like I won't have it. What you're really saying is, I'm a little bit embarrassed to play with you because you'll judge me. Mm-hmm. You know, I I was on stage about three weeks ago, and I this is a late night show, and I followed this guy who just destroyed the room. 
crazy energy, did 12 minutes, and I had to go on after him. And I, was, I went through all the emotions. Like, my, I got nervous. Yeah. My, I, my body got tight. And I was thinking, what am I going to do? And it was, he's very provocative, and he did really well. And I thought of it somewhere while he was on. I thought, yeah, well, this is a challenge. You know, I'm just going to go out there, and I'm going to do all I can process-wise. Before I do my jokey jokes, I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to make sure I'm uh, I'm in a good place. I'm going to make sure my pacing is right. And I'm going to do everything I can do to affect an outcome and then see where it goes. I, I, you know, and, and I did do all that. And then lo and behold, it worked out nicely. So yeah. that's a, it could have also not worked out. But at least I knew I gave all the things I could directly influence. I gave them attention. Mm-hmm. Control. You controlled what you could control. Can direct control. Yeah. And things you, I couldn't, I can't control that the audience loved this guy. Right. And then I couldn't control that he just did so well, but I was freaking out. Trust me, I was. Yeah. But overcoming that, now I've got some evidence. I built a little bit of, uh, got a little tougher after that because I'm like, well, I followed that. Yeah, absolutely. So now I'm, I'm comf- now I'll follow anybody. Yeah, and that's not much different. What you talked about going on stage like that, following someone, not much different than someone going to the first tee. Yeah. Whether whether it's in a foursome in which oh I'm playing with some better players, I hope I, I play well, playing with a boss, just the first tee nerves or a tournament. People go to that first tee and are feeling some tension, and maybe feeling some fear. Um, you know, it's the same types of things. You know, whether going to a business meeting, that type of thing. What you talked about was really great is that you took you 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 engaged in your process. Yeah. So you're not engaged in result. You're focused on those things you can control. Absolutely. You can't inf- you can't control score. You can influence it for sure. But if you take control of your process and, and you work on that, your game will get better. That folks is really so much of what uh, the key takeaway. If you take care of process then you're on your way to having way more fun and you'll shoot better scores without trying. Well, that's the thing is scores. you might you, you, you I would say you will shoot better scores. But here's what I would also say as a sort of backing down from that being obviously if you're listening to this show, you love golf and obviously we love golf because it's sometimes fun to shoot a nice golf score. Um, but what you'll do if you focus on process is you'll have a, a decent time even when you're not shooting low scores. Mm hmm. Yeah, they'll happen as a byproduct. Yeah, and one of the things I want to just maybe again connect to was, so every once in a while when I'm doing this podcast or other things, I'll become aware that oh, I feel that clench coming again, and now I know that all I have, all I can do is that oh, there it is. Okay, just breathe, and it'll whatever needs to come up will come up. Amazing, you know, and a good golf swing will come up when I do that, and all kinds because now I'm aware. And now I have a process that I can follow. And I will say that, uh, and it's, it's interesting, we're having this conversation at the end of our podcast today that I had the same conversation a couple hours ago with this comic. And I said to him, if you think that doing, you know, going on stage and getting all your reps in and doing this a hundred thousand, you know, at times, if you think it's to uh, ever relieve that feeling of being uncomfortable, trust me, it's not. Because after 40 years of doing this, you know, I went on stage Thursday night and just before I went on stage, I had all those nervous butterflies going to the first tee feelings. It's process only helps you 
get comfortable feeling that way. It doesn't eliminate it. No, no. So if you think you're not going to be nervous because you heard Timmy say some neat stuff for me as well, it's not. It's about being comfortable in uncomfortable situations. And the point I was trying to make is it's supposed to be uncomfortable because that's what it is. You're excited. You have joy. You have fear. And you're there because you want to be there. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing it. But the paradigm that I came from, that most golfers come from, is if I just get uh, somebody to give me the right swing tip, then my golf swing will be perfect and I'll never feel uncomfortable. Mm. And I'm here to tell you, as I was explaining to that kid, I said... uh, I had a round of golf last summer where I made seven bogeys, which is a lot of bogeys for me. But I also made seven birdies, mm-hmm. and that's how golf is. Yeah. All right, kids. That's a lot of. That's a lot of good stuff. Someone should write that stuff down. That was fun. Gosh. All right. Talk about that stuff that I used to be afraid of, and now look at you. About it. Tim O'Connor, wow. O'ConnorGolf.ca. Get through it, folks. HumbleandFredRadio.com. Swing thoughts on Facebook. Uh, share. And uh, we'll see you uh, in a couple weeks with our pre-masters show. I don't even know. Is that is that, that getting close? Yeah. Is it getting close? Yeah. yeah it's, I think it's a month away now. The masters. Gosh. Okay, kids. Uh, nice job, Timmy. We'll see you next time. You too. When you hear the music ring. Well, I step inside, but you don't see too many.